production support comes from Smithville Fiber, the GigaCity company, a philanthropic community partner since 1922 and proud supporter of numerous community organizations. More information at smithville.com. And School of Public Health Bloomington, public health reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life publichealth.indiana.edu. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Sarah Whitmire, News Bureau Chief for WFIU and WTIU. Both those seeking LGBT civil rights and those looking for protections for religious freedom were disappointed on Wednesday when the last bill to cover either topic died in the state Senate. Uh, the heav- heavily amended bill, bill, which was Senate Bill 344, was a final chance to have legislation covering the fallout from the Religious Freedom Restoration Act and all that went along with that uh, last year until next session. So what's next in the battle for religious freedoms and civil rights protections? That's our topic today, and we have three guests with us. Two are here in the studio, and one's joining us by phone. By phone, we have uh, Senator Travis Holdman, who's a Republican um, and was the author of that bill. And also, Senator Mark Stoops is with us in the studio. He's a Democrat from here in Bloomington. And Brandon Smith, the Statehouse reporter for Indiana Public Broadcasting, is also here. So you can join the program by calling us at 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. So I want to start with Brandon. Brandon Smith's been covering this issue at the State House. So sort of uh, frame this uh, this debate for us and what happened this week. Well, what happened this week was I think uh, people were left a little surprised. And the reason I say that is because uh, the, just the week before, after the bill 344 passed out of committee, uh, Senator uh, Long, the, the Senate President Pro Tem, the Republican leader, told uh, us, told reporters that he he was going to bring the bill down to the floor even if there wasn't agreement on it in the caucus, which is not always, often not the case. A lot of times the, the Republican caucus will decide what to send to the floor, what not. Uh, but he wanted to see that uh, get to the floor. And then Tuesday we found out it wasn't going to happen. There were 27 amendments filed on it, on the floor. Uh, Republicans talked about them in caucus and came out and said um, that there wasn't enough support in the caucus to pass the bill no matter what amendments were approved or not. And so they didn't want to go through that entire 27 amendment long process on the floor when the bill wasn't going to survive anyway. So they opted just to to not even call it for amendments and let it die. Okay. Senator Holman, is that a, does Brandon have it right? Uh, I think he did. <laughs> okay, uh, good. It's a, it's a good, good summary. All right. So what what was going on in the with the Republicans in the caucus? I mean, what 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 drove you to that conclusion that you just weren't going to didn't have enough votes, and so it was a, a good idea to just not call it for a vote? Well, a number of those twenty-seven amendments were my amendments uh, because every time somebody would come to me, either Republican or Democrat, and say, "Have you tried this?" I'd immediately go to our legal staff and say, "Can you prepare an amendment to do this or to do that?" Uh, when I would uh, talk with folks in caucus or folks on the floor. Um, they'd say, well, if you do this, uh, I'll vote for it. So I would pick up three or four votes. But then when I would let folks know who had been supporting the bill, and I would say, well, we're going to try this approach. Well, if you do that, I'm not going to vote for it. Uh, 
Uh, and uh, really one of the big issues came down to the transgender, you know, mm -hmm. the transformation from Senate Bill 100 to Senate Bill 344 was the deletion of transgender folks, what we call the T's and the LGBT uh, uh, bill basically was taking transgenders out. Uh, we thought about, and I had an amendment prepared to uh, leave transgenders in with regard to uh, housing and employment, uh, but not public accommodation. Um, I was going to pick up votes to do that, but then I was going to lose votes uh, to do that. And so it really, as I tried to say, uh, uh, when it came down for second reading and I took a pass on it, took a, a point of personal privilege just to say that I could not get the walls to move on either side. Folks became so entrenched. I just, uh, uh, it was impossible to move the bill forward at that point. Well, can you uh, give us a sense again of, of, so let's just go back a step, I guess. What was in the in the bill that, that what had 27 different amendments? So what was the bill that you, you actually had crafted? Senate Bill 344 would have extended uh, protected class status to the LGB uh, community. Uh, the T's uh, basically became the subject of an interim study committee that would take place late summer, early fall. Uh, the transgender issue would become basically center stage for an interim study committee for those folks to plead their case, to basically tell their story to the legislature through a a committee process uh, that happens on a regular basis uh, when sessions over uh, issues that don't get resolved need more study basically go to an interim study committee but in addition to extending those benefits uh, to the LGBs uh, we were going to have a number of exemptions for faith-based uh, organizations um, uh, pastors churches uh, adoption agencies, Christian colleges and universities, uh, and probably the thing that was a real flashpoint for this whole discussion was what we call public accommodation. Uh, any service that you hold yourself out to uh, the business world that uh, you provide in the classic case is the baker, or the photographer. Uh, in that particular case, we, we pulled it in under the civil rights measure because you only have standing to come to the Civil Rights Commission in Indiana uh, if you have uh, six or more employees. So there is already a small business exemption uh, in civil rights law in Indiana, uh, but we were going to include uh, a small business person that said, because this is against my faith and my beliefs uh, as a religious person, whether you're Jewish or Christian or Muslim or Sikh, whatever your religion might be, uh, if that was abhorrent to your your faith, then you basically got a pass. You basically could say, I can't do this, I can't provide you with a service that's going to be in relation to a wedding ceremony of same-sex couple, and you would be uh, exempt from having a civil rights complaint filed against you in the state civil rights system. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to turn to State Senator Mark Stoops. Um, Mark, would you have supported that bill the way it was? And and that's you know one very short question, but you know, give us your views on the way this whole thing went down last week or this week. You know, I think <clears throat> I think the, diff the negotiations were actually pretty difficult. I can see uh, 
Senator Holdsman, Holdman's side. Uh, he was open to amendments in the bill, as he said. Uh, the difficulty on the Democratic side was uh, how do we how do we support this bill unless it actually does the job? If 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 it does not include transgender individuals, then it is not really um, adding protections in our civil rights statute for everybody. And I think that's the idea. How do you how do you limit? How do you say okay, we're going to grant civil rights uh, to a uh, a wider group of individuals, but not everybody? <clears throat> and I also think that. It's true that there's a lot of misunderstanding about uh, uh, what transgender is, and uh, and and that was a concern by uh, many of the the religious right community. On um, it's is it just a man dressing as a woman, which is is not the case. Um, what is a transgender individual um, or gender nonconforming, and that was the fear that we had to overcome and you can only do that through educating individuals and i know people who are are who are pretty well um, or pretty progressive that still don't understand the difference um, so from the democratic caucus's side i was one that actually said well let's we can get it so far but as far as i was concerned i was not going to uh, vote to support a bill that did not include um, uh, transgender people uh, and give them rights for both employment and housing. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, as Senator Holman said, that that was a sticking point on the other side. And even to me, that wasn't quite enough. I, I think it should have gone all the way. But there were many groups working with uh, LGBT community that wanted, um, that were were having difficulty with deciding how far we could go how far we should go should we accept a bill that just gets us part of the way and that was a difficult question i think that was a very difficult question for the legislators to answer and obviously we no. didn't mm -hmm. i mean could the argument be made that passing something more than what we have now would have been better than nothing that argument was no. made for sure yes that's 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 exactly correct sarah and i guess the the piece <clears throat> of this and senator soups knows this as well as i do because we've been in the legislature long enough. Uh, there's been many times when we'll be in committee, and uh, there was a rather contentious bill in tax and fiscal that I had some real issues with, but I voted for the bill with the reservation that I may likely vote against the bill when it comes to the floor, because there just were some things that needed to be done. I thought we needed a continued discussion, but unless the final bill look the way I wanted it to, uh, I was going to withhold my, my vote for a piece of legislation. And I was really hoping we could get to that point with 344 to say, this bill has a long way to go. Uh, let's just get something out of the Senate, send it over to the House, let them deal with it. It's going to go to conference committee. Uh, and then the negotiations begin with the governor uh, to see what he would sign. Uh, so I think we were a long way in that process from being completed. And my plea to folks on both sides was give us something just to advance this legislation so that we can continue to work on it until March the 14th. 
uh, and I was unsuccessful in, in getting that done. So, from a, a, a standpoint of a you know a, a watcher of the legislature for many years, it seems like um, nothing's ever really dead at the legislature. Is this really dead? Well, I think it is. Okay. I know uh, uh, Leader Piloff over minority leader in the House has said that it will come back. Uh, it could come back because it was not decisively defeated. Uh, that's the term of art that's used uh, on the Senate side of business to say that if a bill is not, and the language is not decisively defeated, uh, then it can pop up in another bill as an amendment, uh, perhaps. Uh, and because it, the bill was pulled off the calendar, uh, it was not technically, it was not defeated. Uh, the last vote on the bill in committee actually was a positive vote. Uh, but uh, it could come back. Uh, will it come back? I think it's very unlikely that it will. Brandon? Yeah, the, the Senator Holdman's right. Uh, leader leader Pilaf, uh, Minority Leader Pilath in the House this week said that his caucus is going to try to amend uh, LGBT. It won't be the same as 344 or whatever the Democrats try to do over there. It'll pr- probably be essentially just straight up broad protections for the LGBT community with none of the religious freedom language in it. Uh, but House Speaker Brian Bosma has already said that, uh, first of all, the, the, the way the rule works in the House um, is that to add an amendment to the bill, the, the amendment has to be germane to the subject matter of the bill, so it has to be substantially similar to it. Um, I'm not sure that, there, that such a bill exists that's in the House at this point, um, theoretically one or two. Uh, Brian Bosma doesn't think uh, that such a bill exists, and he also said that he doesn't want <laughs> to do something as big as a, a, a huge change in the civil rights code on the sec- on a second reading amendment on the floor, as he called it, on the fly in the House. So the likelihood of this coming back um, is almost zero. the The likelihood of it still being debated in the House is better than that, but the likelihood of it actually being amended into a bill is basically zero. Our phone numbers today, 812-855-0811 here in Bloomington, 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. Senator Holman, I wanted to ask about the exemptions. Um, you know, some, some have characterized the exemptions as really being a, a great big door that would allow for discrimination uh, against these groups of people that would otherwise be protected. Um, how do you respond to that? Uh, well, we already have exemptions in the law. As I mentioned earlier, uh, and the Civil Rights Commission only has jurisdiction uh, for employers with six or more employees. So small business folks are exempt from civil rights actions against them. If somebody tries to file a complaint, it basically gets kicked out of uh, the Civil Rights Commission and out of the system because uh, they don't meet the test of basically basic jurisdiction uh, over over that issue or the situation because there aren't enough employees and there's that exemption built in. Uh, if you take a look at the constitutional side of uh, the question, every case in the country where there have been religious exemptions applied to law with civil rights, uh, every case that's gone up uh, to any higher court 
uh, it's been found that those exemptions based upon a religious uh, conviction uh, are are basically a grounded uh, uh, case that's going to rule in favor of the religious exemption. And so uh, our country is, and the law is replete with instances where there are exemptions for uh, religious faith. And uh, folks want to say, well, you're legalizing discrimination. Well, you know, we discriminate every day uh, and how we choose to do business, uh, where we shop, all of, you know, every, every instance every day comes up uh, on, on that question. I would rather frame it in terms of providing an exemption for folks who have a deeply held religious belief, which is a cornerstone of our country, our constitution, both the state constitution and the federal constitution. And so um, folks can call it discrimination, but uh, we allow that already. And I would prefer just to say that we provide an exemption for folks that have a deeply held religious faith. Senator Stoops, your reaction, do you, do you see it that way? Well. I I think it's important to understand that our local Bloomington ordinance actually has similar allowances for smaller businesses uh, when it comes to uh, who they can hire or not hire. Um, I'm not quite sure it, it covers the act of commerce, so the selling in a retail establishment. Um, Senator Holman is right as far as the state civil rights ordinance, that, that is part of the definition. Um, but I also believe that, uh, especially uh, when we talk about the Religious Freedom Act from last year, it expanded to corporations and stockholding companies and in a wide range of institutions. Uh, the the you know the the aspect of it as being a, um, a, a deeply held religious belief uh, as far as the Christian community, I I find problematic. I'm I. I don't know if I see that. We get into the same discussion, well, whether it's um, the Religious Freedom Bill to um, say that same-sex couples can't marry, or uh, we get into that discussion regarding abortion. And uh, I'm not sure that I can say, and, and Senator Holdman, I believe, is a minister. Is that right, Senator? Um, studied to be one for a while, but no. Yeah, uh, so I, I didn't want to get into any biblical argument with Senator <laughs> Holman. I, I would lose. No, that's all right. Um, that's, that's quite all right. Um, but I, you know, I understand people have strongly held personal beliefs, and and you can't legislate against that. But I do think that when it comes to uh, commerce, you've opened yourselves up, and you should be covered by laws. I think another one of the concerns, and the whole reason for the Religious Freedom Act that was uh, passed last year was that there was a concern that uh, legally um, the courts would would open up um, and provide protections even over and above religious objections. Would you say that was right, Senator Holman? Well, I think our concern and the whole impetus for me introducing the legislation, because we started having these discussions, uh, Senator Long and a number of us did, uh, uh, in our caucus, uh, how do we how do we get in front of this issue? Because we knew the issue was going to be back, that uh, the LGBT community was going to be back. We knew the business community would be back, wanting uh, protection for the LGBT community as protected class status. Uh, but our so our position was let's 
let's grant that extension, but at the same time build in uh, religious uh, exemptions for religious liberty. Because if a court, and, and Senator Stoops is correct, our belief was that if the courts get involved, uh, you're not going to likely see those strong religious uh, liberty exemptions uh, be a decision that a court's going to make. Uh, and so that was our reason for doing that. But oddly enough, uh, the far right, ours, those groups were the ones who basically came on the attack the strongest against the legislation because they wanted even more protections than what we were putting in place, and they wanted to grant no extension of rights to the LGBT community. So uh, we were, I was getting it from both sides. Uh, the far right was saying, uh, we want complete exemption regardless of your size of business. We do not want rights extended to the LGBT community. The people at the left and the LGBT community were saying, we want full rights. We don't want any exemptions whatsoever. And so that really set us up for this this battle that we were going to lose uh, on the subject because uh, I just couldn't I couldn't pull those walls together. It was just uh, just became too difficult uh, to get folks to come together. All right, we have, we have a phone call, so uh, we have a, a listener from Bloomington named Sarah who's on the phone. Sarah, go ahead. Hi, uh, I I certainly understand about whether you can get votes or not, and and that that's always a struggle in the legislature and the Congress, for that matter. I'm always troubled by this business of talking about this group's rights or that group's rights versus religious rights, because my religion is very different from the religion of some of those people who are insisting on their religious freedoms. My religion says that they do not have the freedom to discriminate. My religion says that God loves everybody. And it's not my personal religion, my, my church, the United Church of Christ, the Episcopalians and others, um, strongly hold that the uh, groups that are asking for their rights are God's children, are loved, have rights, and, and my religion is in opposition to those other religions. So I think when, you, when you're giving religious freedom to one religion over another, uh, this, is, this is not a legitimate thing to be for the legislature to be doing. Senator well, Holman? we're not. Yeah, we're not granting one religion over another. We're basically saying, whatever type of business you would be in, uh, you have a right based upon maybe different than everybody else's. Uh, so it's really we're providing everybody with the same exemption based upon your religious belief. If you basically can can say this is my belief, you know. I think you ought to take into an impractical uh, situation here. I have 10,000 Amish people who uh, live in my district uh, up here in northeast Indiana. Uh, we have made uh, exceptions uh, in the law for, for Amish folks. Uh, you know, just look at, uh, look at the buggies that they drive. We don't require them to be licensed uh, because if you're, you're pulling... Uh, a wagon or a trailer uh, with a mechanical device, it, it has to be licensed. Uh, you have to have a license plate on it. Uh, all we require them to do is to put a slow-moving vehicle uh, symbol on the back uh, of uh, their buggy. 
so we have made a lot of exemptions uh, for religious faith currently. Uh, and I'm old enough to remember I grew up in Missouri, but I remember blue laws. I don't know if any of you I'm talking to are old enough to remember blue laws uh, and what that means, but uh, uh, that means that the law required businesses to be closed on Sundays uh, uh, because that was considered to be a sacred holy day and you were not uh, allowed to engage in commerce. Uh, well, those started fading away in, in the early 60s. Uh, and so uh, there's been an evolution on this whole, whole subject. But uh, we grant uh, everybody a, a right to religious exemption currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we does let... Any, oh, go ahead. Does anybody not... Does anybody not remember blue laws? Oh, I, I'm, I'm the oldest person. No, 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 no. I, I'm sure I'm as old as you. So I'm well, didn't, well, there's still a remnant of a blue law here in Indiana yeah. that you can't sell alcohol on Sunday. Yeah. So absolutely. Well, and you can't sell absolutely. a car either, can you? I mean, you can't no, sell, you can't sell, can't a, sell a car on, car on Sunday, Sunday. So well, I think in the right. in the Old Testament, you could be uh, killed if you worked on a on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. So I guess we yeah. we guess we progressed. You could be stoned. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, I want to give uh, Senator Stoops a chance to to uh, talk to your colleague, Senator Holman, before we let him go. He's got a he's got another meeting to go to. Any other uh, thoughts that you want to offer while he's still on the line? Well, a couple of thoughts. One is the the reason that uh, I think many people even considered an accommodation for the bill as it was moving was that it got us something, and it was better than nothing. You know, we've heard that discussion. Uh, and that they were concerned that we would never have that chance again. Um, I don't think that's true. I think the I think just as the uh, right for same-sex couples to marry um, had this constant back pressure to keep moving and, and be a question that was answered and was answered um, by the courts, as a matter of fact, um, this discussion about granting civil rights to uh, everyone uh, is, I think, is something that that is supported by most of the people in Indiana, as polls show. Um, they don't see that that discrimination should be allowed, uh, and that includes uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender. And uh, that's you know that's for Indiana, that's a big step. So I think we're definitely moving forward. I think we'll definitely see something come up. Um, I wish we could deal with it this session. I wish we could just fix it. And really, it's a matter of saying civil rights for everybody. We don't need the exceptions to be broad. Um, and uh, I'm hopeful that, that we continue and we actually come to a resolution on this. All right. Senator Holman, any last words before we let you go? Well, uh, appreciate uh, appreciate being able to uh, talk to you folks today, Bob. All right. And, uh, just say that uh, Senator Stoops represents you well, and uh, he does a, he does a good job in the uh, Indiana Senate. And uh, Mark, we'll see you Monday. Okay, bud. Uh, thank you, Travis. See you then. All okay. right. Thanks. Okay. Thanks hey, a lot. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Sorry, I got to run. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. So you're listening to Noon Edition. We're talking about Senate Bill 344, um, and the uh, it was the last um, chance to kind of solve this or at least address this LGBT civil rights issue and religious freedoms uh, in this session. That was Senator Travis Holdman, uh, the Republican who was the author of that bill, and he has had to leave us. But you can uh, stick with us. We're going to be coming back with Senator Mark Stoops and Brandon Smith, Statehouse reporter for Indiana Public Broadcasting. After we take this short break, you're listening to Noon Edition.
This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, online at smithville.com, and IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiunews.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each weekday afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with co-host Sarah Whitmire, the News Bureau Chief for WFIU and WTIU. We're talking today about what's next in the battle for religious freedoms and civil rights protections in the state of Indiana. We have two guests that are left with us for the second half of the program, Senator Mark Stoops, a Democrat from here in Bloomington. He represents District 40, and Brandon Smith, the State House reporter for, the Indiana, for Indiana Public Broadcasting. You can join us uh, with your questions or comments by calling 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. We're going to go right to the phones because Anthony from Bedford has been patient. And uh, Anthony, what's your question? This uh, religious religious uh, freedom act created um cannabis church, a marijuana church in Indianapolis. I just wanted to hear a comment about about that and their rights. Okay. And thank you. Senator Stoops? I'd see that I think it opens up a a big opportunity for other churches that have different beliefs to say this is our belief and this is but I'm not sure how that would affect, for instance, if you were how your employment status or your housing status, um, uh, you know, it's a it's a good question. It, but it seems to me that if if uh, hemp or uh, or cannabis or um, some some religions believe in peyote ceremonies, and that seems to me that that falls under a religious exception. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a different issue from the LGBT rights fight, uh, but it, it it's related in that the LGBT rights fight started if because of RIFRA last session. But there is a lawsuit currently involving that cannabis church. They tried to start up, um, and then they filed a lawsuit against the state because obviously the state doesn't prohibit uh, marijuana possession or 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 ingestion or anything like that. So that lawsuit is ongoing. Um, there's not a lot of legislative history or a, a judicial history to suggest that they'll be successful um, in their lawsuit, but you can't rule anything out. Um, so that's where that is right now. All right, Anthony, thanks a lot for the call. Brandon, right, for you. people who don't understand the Cannabis Church, why is it that RIFRA allowed the creation of that church? Okay, so this is what RIFRA is. It is a judicial standard that judges have to use when somebody says, this government regulation is infringing on my religious rights. It is a stricter standard than previously existed in Indiana. Well, no standard existed in Indiana law, technically, and it's a, pre and it's a stricter standard uh, for judges than what was previously in um, 
the, the, the state's judicial uh, history and its precedents. Um, all it does is say, so, so in the case of the Cannabis Church, the Cannabis Church files a lawsuit against the government saying that the government's prohibition on the, the use of marijuana uh, infringes on their religious beliefs. And what a judge will then do is say, uh, it will look at the RIFRA test to, to resolve that, that question, which is, um, is there a compelling reason for the government to have that regulation? Is that regulation for first of all, are the person's religious beliefs or organization's religious beliefs sincere, sincerely held? Um, then is the government uh, regulation, um, uh, does it have a good reason to have that regulation? Is it narrowly tailored and is it relatively limited in scope? Uh, if all of those things are true or any really one of them are true, uh, the cannabis church won't be able to succeed. Um, but if, the, if, if, if a court finds the government doesn't have a good reason to stop them from smoking marijuana in church, um, if, if, it doesn't, if the law isn't narrowly tailored enough, um, then theoretically the, the church would be able to, to continue with that practice. It seems, again, unlikely. And post-RIFRA, we saw a lot of these local communities, and, and Mark, you mentioned it, post or come up with their own anti-discrimination ordinances. And, you know, after, you know, it, it, Senate Bill 344 failed this session, the ACLU, Chamber of Commerce, all coming out and saying we missed an opportunity. So I'm just wondering, given all of that, do you expect more of these local communities to get involved and pass their own ordinances? I do. And yeah. I think maybe it's Kokomo that's working on one now. <clears throat> but one thing uh, that 344 did or proposed was that it would preempt all local ordinances. And then I believe there was an amendment that um, rather than, for instance, Bloomington, Indianapolis, Fishers, maybe. Columbus. Columbus. Carmel. Right? Car Car mm -hmm. Carmel. Have their Columbus. own. Terre Haute. I think no, no, just four. Doesn't. Terre Haute doesn't four. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, that have their own human rights ordinances that protect LGBT communities. Uh, I think they all all protect transgender as well, mm -hmm. and um, that would have said that local communities cannot enact a law that is more strict than the state's law. And I really think even in this final version of Senate Bill 344, it says that no. Uh, New laws can be can be enacted after uh, December of uh, 2015, but it also has a line in there that says that any local law can't be basically more stringent than uh, the state's law. So it, even if Bloomington had uh, it, Bloomington's ordinance said protections for uh, LGBT, then that again would be more stringent than the state's and would not be allowable. And those four communities are also being sued right now by some uh, groups that have uh, – some of the conservative groups. The, um, I, I can't remember the name. The Indiana well. Family Institute and the American yeah. Family Association of Indiana. Well, put family in there and then just stick a prefix and a postfix on there and, you're, and you're, you've got a yeah. number of those groups covered. Yeah, Bloomington was just added to that suit. And Columbus. And, and Columbus, yeah. And those are the same groups that are pushing hard on legislators to – enact uh, religious protections. Mm -hmm. Quite honestly, they were the ones that uh, Senator Holdman talked about that said, we don't care what religious exemptions you give us. We don't want any, any bill. They, they've told me multiple times, any bill that has any protections for the LGBT community, they can't support no matter what. I mean, are those suits, does that help bolster the claim that this is something the legislature really needs to act on? Because now we've got these individual communities that are, that are being sued 
Well, in, in my opinion, they may lose, and it may have uh, an effect the opposite of that that they're trying to achieve, uh, which may be something that Senator Holdman mentioned. Maybe this is something that's going to be working its way through the courts, and you're going to find that, no, you can't discriminate against anybody, and uh, that would be okay. It will be interesting to see because the lawyer who has filed suit, uh, James Bopp from Terre Haute, is uh, – an extremely successful lawyer in arguing a lot of these cases. But we'll just have to, I guess, let that play out through the courts. We have another phone call we want to go to. It's Ann from Salisbury. Ann? Yes. My question is, how does any or all of this relate to the supposed separation of church and state? Well, that separation still exists, but there have always been, as Senator Holdman mentioned, there have always been exemptions um, for religious organizations, primarily it tends to be protections for churches, ministers, uh, that sort of thing, specifically religious organizations. Those exemptions have existed in Indiana's civil rights law and in other and in, in federal laws um, for decades and decades and decades. So, I mean, the separation of church and state still exists. The, the, the government can't promote one religion over another, but it can say that it won't and, and certainly there are plenty of legal cases that say it cannot also force religions to do something that they don't want to do to an extent. So there's a there's – a, I'll see if I can do this quickly. It's a quick history of why we are where we are. Now this – so there was the question about whether it was uh, – same-sex marriages were legal. Um, we in Indiana tried to pass a constitutional amendment banning same-sex marriage. That – Failed, sort of, or, yeah, sort of. They but pushed that was, it down the road. Yeah, it pushed it down the road. The, the Supreme Court decided that you uh, same-sex marriage was constitutionally legal. Um, so then, Indiana legislature's reaction was the Religious Freedom Act uh, last year, which provided exceptions for people who didn't want to perform ceremonies for gay people, or provide flowers, or reception space or whatever and um, and that was extremely broad and it, it brought up this whole issue of, um, of civil rights protections uh, for the LGBT community which and then when there were some accommodations made in the RIFRA bill and it was passed the religious right got so upset they came to the state house and basically said Listen, uh, Republican Party, we're the ones that got you in office, which is partly true. Those those are very – the primaries in the Republican right base are very active voters, and they also provide a lot of funds. And they said, you need to, you need to bring this back, and you need to give us more freedoms um, to protect us from having to perform a marriage ceremony. A lot of this is based around the marriage ceremony marrying same-sex couples. So when it came to – the fix that was pushed by, I think, many people in the state of Indiana, different groups representing um, gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender community, the business community that said, you're making us look like a bunch of backward yokels. Um, nobody wants to locate here. Nobody wants to bring businesses because they're worried about having to bring employees in and the reputation of their business. They didn't want to be uh, blackballed. And, and so... When we then we came to this uh, point of adding uh, uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual to the civil rights statute, but then they just couldn't make that jump to transgender. 
that was the that was the issue. If it was just a matter now, I think we could have gotten to the point where we had um, gay, lesbian, bisexual in our civil rights statute at the state level. But the transgender is the is the hurdle, and that is because there's a real misunderstanding of what transgender means. And there's been there have been big pushes by the religious right. For instance, in Texas, they actually overturned adding transgender individuals to their civil rights statutes because there was a commercial that showed a man dressed as a woman following a little girl into a bathroom, right? And that was such powerful advertising that it changed people's minds. But it's just ridiculous. There's never been any indication, any problems with people using a bathroom inappropriately. Um, And to use that as just kind of the red herring to divide everybody. And so now we're at this point where it's transgender individuals and how they use the bathroom is how, and if you see it, a lot of the amendments that were proposed for Senate Bill 344, it's like, how do you give them rights, but not the right to use a bathroom that might be associated with their chosen gender? Following Riffer, we saw all of these studies come out about how much this was costing the state. Is it possible to truly quantify, you know, even even in action, this legislative session and what damage that, that may do to the state? They have quantified it by the amount of business that was lost and verifiably associated with the Riffer argument last year. And I can't remember the figure, but it's... it was $60 million. $60 yeah. million in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. In Indianapolis, tens of millions of dollars. I've even heard it locally in Bloomington from, from our Convention of Visitors Bureau that it's had an effect on us because people don't, I'll use the word discriminate, they don't discriminate between who did discriminate and who pushed this bill, whether Bloomington, which is very open um, and... And has a local ordinance. And has a local ordinance. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It's a hurdle. I mean, Indianapolis has had a, a, a local HRO, Human Rights Ordinance, for 10 years now. It's, it's been a decade there, and yet they saw a $60 million impact. In terms of projecting forward, that's difficult to do. I mean, we only got the Indianapolis, <clears throat> excuse me, the Indianapolis number from the last year, uh, last week or two weeks ago. So we won't, we can't say here's what it's going to do now, especially since the attention uh, on this failure of the bill to pass hasn't been anything like the passage of RIFRA last year. Um, so it's, it's tough to say whether it will continue hurting as much, it will hurt a little bit more or a little bit less. Um, we will really won't know that until a year from now and we can look back and say, here's what happened, we lost X amount of more business kind of thing. Okay, I think Ann is still on the line. Ann, do you have any follow-up? It's just, it just seems to me that um Anytime you take a right away from any group of people, you're taking a right away from yourself eventually. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for that comment. Thank you. All right. We have about 10 minutes to go, so if you want to give us a call, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington, 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area, or you can join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition or follow us on Twitter at noon edition. So we've already heard that we're going to be talking about this probably again next year. How is that conversation going to be any different? Well, that uh, that is because there is an election this year. <clears throat> and and this is my opinion. And uh, Senator Holdman, if you're if you're still listening, I, I will say this is my opinion. And one thing I'll say about Senator Holdman is that um, Sen- Senator Holdman is a deeply religious person. He this is what he believes. And this is something you see in the legislature. There are many people with these strongly held beliefs, 
and and um, you know whether it's and and actually this is with Senator Holman too and others you know we've had the whole the abortion abortion debate and and uh, the RIFRA debate there are many many bills that I've worked with Senator Holman on directly that have been successful and I think have been really good things but having said that there are many people in the legislature that have to pay attention because it's the because of gerrymandering we have a lot of very strongly republican districts so their battle is in the primary their base voter is usually religious right with very strongly held beliefs they have to answer to that primary base and and that's also where a lot of money comes from so many of the legislators and i will say many um, wish this whole discussion would go away and they feel that pressure there are individuals from those different family those organizations with family in their name sitting up in the balcony watching every vote mm -hmm. and uh, they cannot vote against those groups without suffering repercussions and that could mean loss of funding and that could mean loss of that base vote in a primary or people would actually choose a primary opposition for them, and we and we actually saw that in 2014 after the after and as, as Senator Stoops talked about a little while ago, the kind of how we've got here. We, we had the vote on the the marriage amendment that would ban same sex marriage, and a couple of uh, Republicans in the House, Republican women in the House, who didn't vote uh, necessarily for that amendment or, or voted to push it down the line a lot further, um, they lost primary uh, primaries that fall. Uh, up in northeast Indiana from from where Senator Holdman is from, they lost primaries to uh, candidates backed by these religious conservatives. So I have, a, I have a, a process question. So we talked about, you know, that transgender was taken out of Senate Bill 344 and was going to be sent to a, a study committee. Um, can that issue be sent to a study committee without a bill? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure we'll have a study committee just for that. So if you go forward next year and a bill like that comes forward, at least you'd be at the point where you don't take that out and say, "Well, we got to send it to a study committee." It will have been studied, and it will either be in or it'll be out. Correct? Right. Okay. And 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 Senator Stoops talked about this earlier. The idea of uh, people need to be educated on what transgender means, what it doesn't mean. Now, but these religious groups. They're not going to – a study committee won't change their mind. Some lawmakers, a study committee won't change their mind. Mm -hmm. But the hope, at least on Senator Holdman's part and I imagine others, is that if if we have this study committee, we really talk about it, um, that at least there will be a few people in the middle or closer to the middle who might have these unfounded fears that we could clear those up and make the path ahead for the bill a little easier. But Senator Long said it um, on Tuesday after the bill died. LGBT rights are inevitable in the state of Indiana. They will happen, um, probably sooner rather than later. It's a matter of who enacts them, the courts or the legislature. And of course, if you're Senator Long and Senator Holdman, you'd much prefer it were the legislature because that means you get to bolster it with these religious protections. If it's the courts, those probably won't exist. Mm -hmm. So we have a, a comment about uh, trans, the transgender issue. It's uh, Ruth who's on the phone. Ruth is from Columbus. Go ahead. Hello. Um, I highly recommend a relatively new book called Becoming Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E, by Amy Ellis Nutt, who is a Pulitzer Prize winner. It's a true story of a family who adopted identical twins. One of those twins turned out to be a transgender girl, uh, 
and it's uh, full of a lot of the latest medical knowledge. So I recommend that for the Legislative Study Committee. I recommend it for anybody who wants to understand the issue better, regardless of what side they're on. I, Thank all you. right. I think that's, Thank you, that's going to be important. Mm-hmm. And just as it took a while for the, the, the public in Indiana to become comfortable with gay marriage, they need to get to that point where of understanding where they understand what transgender is. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, this whole issue, the more you get to do a lot of research when these bills come forward. And, and I, you know, I have transgender friends. I understand that's that's something they feel like, for instance, a male, they feel like a woman. They feel like they are a woman. When when children at birth are born and a doctor doesn't know, they actually assign gender, which is just just astounds me. I just I just never even thought about it. And how many times are they going to get it right? I'd say it's not 50 50. And uh, so you have somebody who's born they feel like a woman at a young age or they feel like a man at a young age, but society has pressures on them. They're, they are pressured to conform, um, and whether it's in school or moving through school. And the fact is, it's not just it's not just this a man dressing up as a woman because he wants to wear a dress um, uh, or a woman dressing up as a man. They feel like a woman or they feel like a man. Mm-hmm. And uh, the... The um, and it's a serious issue because the uh, suicide rate for transgender kids is out astronomical. So I think it's I think it's above fifty percent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you compare that to um, the average population of a, its suicide rates, a little over four mm-hmm. percent. So this isn't something. It's not a game, and it's not just something that they're doing because. They want to try something different. Well, it's been a national issue this year with Caitlyn Jenner in particular. Right. I mean, so the Indiana eliminating transgender from that bill would basically say that if Caitlyn Jenner moved to Indiana, people wouldn't have to rent her a place. That's right. right. She could be fired from a job. Mm-hmm. And Senator Holdman talked about this, too, you know, in, in, in the course of authoring this bill and working on it for, for months. Uh, he met with with members of the transgender community. He met with with people he he knew, but had no idea they were transgender. And and the stories they told him about the the things that they've suffered, the the, the violence that they've suffered uh, sometimes in their lives. He said his eyes were opened, and that's what I think he's hoping for a lot of other lawmakers through the through a study committee is is for them to hear these personal stories from members of the community to say this is what's actually going on, what's actually happening to us, and this is why we need the bill. All right. We're out of time. I mean, that's that's a part of this big issue, but we talked about, the obviously, the entire LGBT civil rights issue and the religious freedom portion of that that was uh, part of the, the legislative discussion this year. I want to thank Senator Travis Holman for being here with us for the first half of the program. And, of course, Senator Mark Stoops, great to have you back on Noon Edition. And Brandon, Brandon Smith, always good to see you. Um, for Sarah Whitmire and uh, our Producers, uh, producer J.D. Gray and engineer Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington. Public Health Reimagined. Addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. 
publichealth.indiana.edu. And Smithville Fiber, the Gigacity Company. Fiber Internet, HD, and digital IPTV in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.